I recently found out about the most extravagant wedding I have ever heard of. It was out of control. You can Google it. It was back in 2016. Uh, the, the man was the son of a Russian oil tycoon. His fiance was his 20-year-old college girlfriend, and it was out of control. Uh, there was a nine-tier cake, and I'm not talking about like nine little bitty tiers. No, the cake was taller than any of the guests who attended the wedding. The 600 guests who attended the wedding, all of whom got a special jewelry box with, I think, custom jewelry inside. It was extravagant. The dress that the bride wore was 28 pounds. I don't know how much normal wedding dresses weigh, but I do know that this one cost $26,000. It was embroidered with fine jewels and beads and things. Uh, the couple decided that instead of just keeping the wallpaper that was in the venue that they rented or probably bought, um, they had a florist come in and upholster the walls with fresh cut flowers because why not? We're rich. And on and on it went. Most weddings, you'll have like the local DJ come in and throw down the cha-cha slide and you'll go to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left, to the right, to the right, to the right, to the right. You may do the Charlie Brown, whatever goes on in those songs. Uh, no, no, no. They had to call J-Lo, Enrico, Iglesia, and Sting to come do private concerts. I saw that J-Lo's concert by itself is a million dollars just for a private concert. So if anyone's wanting to book her for a birthday, I think she is available for, for a fee. The reports I read said that this wedding cost a billion dollars. A billion dollars. So dad's about to pay for a wedding. Just maybe you feel a little bit better right now. Now, I talked about that because it's extravagant. And when we th hear things like that, we're like, what? What were they thinking? Now, on the one scale, that's a reasonable response to a billion dollar wedding. But also... I think the truth is that all of us have certain things that we're willing to be extravagant about, aren't, don't, aren't there? And like, so it, if you came to my house, you might discover, I'm, I'm a musician and I have a couple, I play different instruments, but my, my favorite instrument is guitar. And uh, in most settings, I'm proud to share how many guitars I have. But today, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I have at least nine guitars hanging on walls in my house. That doesn't count the ones I don't play regularly sometimes. Problem is, I only have two hands. This is too many guitars. Now, you come to my house, you're like, this is ridiculous. Why are you doing this? But I'll probably go to your house and be like, why do you have so many shoes? What's wrong with you? Or there's something in your closet or in your cabinet or in your garage that I'm just like, that's a little bit ridiculous, don't you? think? Because we are extravagant in the areas that we're passionate about, aren't we? And so we'll spend a little bit of money on this where other people might not. And we might not understand their extravagance, but they probably don't understand ours. I start with the idea about extravagance because, yeah, there are certain areas of our lives where we'll be extravagant, and, and some of those might be a little bit like, you might need therapy. But the reality is, our tendency towards extravagance is something that God can use to his glory all the time. We've been in this above and beyond initiative, and the sermon series have been all about an above and beyond God. We serve an extravagant God. He doesn't give us just barely what we need to get by. He blesses us with every good and perfect gift is what scripture says. And so we've been inspired mostly by Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. It says this, And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and through Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so he's able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine. That's extravagant. It's above and beyond. The thing about extravagance is that it's not 
expected of you. It's not required of you. It's just something that you're willing to do because you care. And I want to take a look today at a story from the Bible where someone is extravagant towards Jesus. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in the book of uh, Mark today, and we're going to be in chapter 14. If you need a Bible, we've got free ones we give away every Sunday back here on this gray shelf by the door. Feel free at any time to stand up and go get one. If you need one to keep forever, just put your name in the front. It's your Bible. Or if you just want to borrow it for the day, you can. While you turn there, we'll be in Mark chapter 14. You know, our church is just a few months away from moving into a new building. We've been mobile for nine years. For a lot of us, that's a, it's felt like 90 years. I mean, it's a lot of work every single week, getting here, setting up, tearing down. And every single time we want to do something as a church community, uh, we've got to rent a place or borrow a place or decide on someone's house to meet at. And sure, that's great, and it's worked fine. But we're excited about this move. But what we want to do is make sure that this move is intentional and it's done in faith. And so we're using this concept of above and beyond as kind of a rally cry for our church family to say, listen, let's not just do this. Let's do this. Let's be pumped about it. We talked about in week one of this series about how we are above and beyond a place. The kingdom of God is a people. We talked in the second week about how we can help people go above and beyond the pain by introducing them to Jesus. That's the mission of the church. We talked about finding your place in the body of Christ. Last week we talked about an above and beyond prayer. That's why we're in this 12 weeks of prayer together and encouraging you to do things like fast and pray for 24 hours and gather together in prayer because that's where we access the power of God in our lives. And today what I want to talk about is what I'm going to call an above and beyond generosity. Above and beyond generosity. In Mark chapter 14, we're going to see an above and beyond generosity in a woman who is simply extravagant and ridiculous in her love towards God. And we're going to pick up while Jesus is at this meal with some friends in a place called Bethany. Some of his best friends, by the way. Mary and Martha live there. Lazarus lives there. He lived there. Then he didn't live there. Then he lived there again, if you know the Lazarus story. And so this is some of Jesus' closest friends, and he's gathering in another home. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Let's just see this extravagant moment. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Made of pure nard. You guys got your pure nard at home? It's very expensive. She broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. Paul's. Uh, this event is at the home of Jesus' good friends. And Jesus is the guest of honor at what was most likely just a Passover feast. And uh, this is like 4th of July in our culture, or Christmas. I mean, it's a big, big holiday. And they've had Jesus over as a guest of honor. In just a few short days, he's actually going to be giving his life on the cross and raising from the dead. This is a pivotal transition season in Jesus' life. But first he's having dinner with some friends. And then something really weird happens. A woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now when you hear that, you're like, that's a little bit strange. And this is the point where in a lot of sermons, like I'll be like, well, in the first century, there was a custom of doing a pouring alabaster jar of perfumes on people's head. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. No, that was not the custom at all. This, is, this was weird to the people who were there too. They're like, what are you doing? Why'd you do that? And so in um, verse 4, some of those who were present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. So if you thought this was weird, and I thought this was weird, everyone there thought it was weird. Like, why is she doing this? That's expensive. The bottle of perfume worth a year's 
wages. Do you know what the, uh, the median income in North Carolina is right now? I looked that up because Google is my friend. $54,000. That's our median income right now, according to whatever website populated first on Google. 50, about $50,000, $54,000. And so, do any of you have a single item that you could hold in your hand that you would be willing to take to a dinner party that's worth $54,000? Highly unlikely, right? You could probably assume that if someone did have an item like that that they would take somewhere, they probably come from some money. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this lady. She's kind of a mysterious figure in the Bible. We, we can glean some things about her by looking at how the other gospel writers talk about her. But one thing some people have assumed is that maybe she did come from some money. We also do know that she comes from a past, though. She kind of have a, 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 a speckled past and a bad reputation, and she does this extravagant thing. And the people get upset about it. What in the world are you doing? It's ridiculous. It's a little overboard, don't you think? Verse 6, Jesus speaks up, though, because he's like, it's not that bad. I actually see why she's doing this. He says to them, verse 6, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. Remember, they're saying, you could sell this and give the money to the poor. Wouldn't that be good of us to sell that lady's perfume and give it to the poor? As long as I get a good bottle of perfume out of it, right? But we could, how dare you? He said the poor will always be with you. You can help them anytime you want. In fact, if you were willing to buy a $54,000 bottle of perfume, you could go help the poor right now if you wanted to. But I'm with you right now. But you will not have me always like this. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What she has done is a beautiful thing. In fact, uh, this is interesting. Uh, this specific perfume, and you might think of it more like an essential oil. My family does the essential oil things. Uh, maybe you do too. And so my wife looked it up, and you can buy some, uh, I don't know, essence of nard or something right now on the doTERRA website. It's like, it's a real thing, okay? But this was, in this culture, this amount of it, this would be something that they would use uh, to prepare a body for burial. That's one thing they would use it for, uh, just part of their culture. I won't get into that because I don't even know all the details. What's interesting is that Jesus knows what's ahead of him. He knows I'm about to be buried. And he's like, it's very appropriate what she did. She's prepared me for burial. And I'm sure she's just like, huh? Like, I don't think this is on her mind at all. But that's just kind of a fun fact Jesus throws in there. When it comes to generosity, I think there are probably four levels of generosity. We're talking about an above and beyond generosity today. The first level of generosity, if you're writing things down, might be called hoarding. Hoarding is not generous at all. I keep it for myself. It's mine. My precious and you can't have it. The second level of generosity is probably something you might call random generosity. It's what happens at Christmas time when you're at Walmart and there's the, the lady ringing the bell out front with the red kettle, you know, and you throw some money in there. And that's really good. Good things happen from random generosity. The third level is what I want to just call intentional generosity. I'm doing it on purpose. And so uh, in scripture, we see the concept, for example, of tithing. This is percentage-based, right? I'm going to do this uh, every single week or every single month or every single paycheck. Off the top, I want to give God, if I'm slicing the pie, I want to give God the crispiest, nicest slice of the pie. Give him that first, and then I'll do it. It's intentional. And honestly, I want to just tell you, I think that if you see yourself as a mature Christian, you should have intentional generosity as part of your habit. 
This, just so you know, is not a sermon about how people should give more money to the church every week. This is all about heart, but this is just your own faith. So that's intentional. But then there's a fourth level of generosity, and I think it's extravagance. Extravagance is not required, is not expected, and it comes from somewhere else, deeper inside. I care about this thing. I want to do this thing. And the reason I want to talk about extravagance above and beyond generosity this morning is because, you know, we're in this above and beyond initiative. And hopefully by now you've already received some stuff in the mail or you got one of the little brochures. If you haven't gotten some of this mail stuff that's up on this rack over here at this table, uh, grab one before you leave. Some really good material. Tell us about the area we're about to move to, the building that we're about to go to, the vision of our church, the history of our church, and where we're headed. But in all the conversation, part of that conversation needs to be financial. We're doing this together, right? And I'm going to be honest. The only way that we're going to continue to do the ministry that we do is through extravagant generosity. So through this Above and Beyond initiative, we set a goal. Our leadership team set a goal, one that we felt was attainable based on some uh, research and some information we got and some coaching we got. Our goal is huge. So if you've been able to make it to one of our vision nights over the past month, which by the way, most of you did, thank you. It, it was really good to see so many of you out at our vision nights at the roastery. Um, but you know that our goal in this initiative is in addition to our regular tithes and offerings that normally come in because you guys are super generous and intentional and faithful, we want to see what we can do to pay off the renovation cost of this building, which is about $400,000. It's a big number, right? So we said, in the next 25 months, let's do what we can as a church family to commit an extra. These are two goals we set. The first goal was $200,000, which is what we're calling our celebration goal, or a dream goal of $350,000. So that after two years, which by the way, uh, Christian Financial Resources, which is the group that gave us our loan for the building. They, they are a ministry partner. They do not want to make a ton of money off of us. They're just trying to help us get into our building. Many of you have met Roger, who was with us at our vision nights and was, uh, has been here in the church several times before. Uh, they gave us an interest-only payment for three years. And everything we pay over that interest is going to go directly to principal. And our goal is to pay down our principal on that mortgage as much as possible within that first three years so that as we move in, we can have as little debt as possible. The same thing you would want to do in your house or your business or anything else. But when I look at these numbers, $200,000, $350,000, I'm going to tell you what, this is immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. Because as a church family, you have already been some of the most generous people I've ever met. Every single month, we support church planting around the east coast of, of North America through a group called Waypoint. We support monthly eastern North Carolina church planters who plant churches like Canvas Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina that's only a year old. We also support them monthly. We support Vigilant Hope monthly. They're an organization in our city who does ministry to homeless people and people living in poverty. We support Roanoke Christian Camp in Washington where all of our kids go to summer camp every year and learn about Jesus, where our men's retreat is held every year. And so... We're doing this already. 10%, actually I think it's closer to 11% of our, of our weekly offerings already go into missions work. Our benevolence fund, every single year since we started in 2020, so we're on the second full year of that, we've been able to give away over $20,000 a year to people in need. Like just through their, their medical bills and their rent and just gas in their car and the little needs that they have. So we're not just talking about intentional giving. What we're talking about is an extravagant generosity. That's the only place it can come from. I want to say this to you this morning. If you are here and you're a guest and you're like, shoot, I came on money day. What the heck? I'm not asking for you to give any money to this project. If you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus with your life, you're off the hook completely. Yay. In fact, we say this every single week. No one needs to have to pay to hang out with us. We only want to support the ministry out of the overflow of our heart. 
But in a few months, we'll be moving down the street to Darlington Avenue. If you came to one of our vision nights, you saw some of these statistics, but this is a community with over 2,000 individuals that live right off of our street, the little J-shaped street that Darlington Avenue is. Over 400 school-aged children, over 200 single-parent homes. This is just a demographic that involves children because one of our values is hashtag kids matter. And we can go in there and we can be in there haphazard or we can be there intentionally. And the less debt we have as an organization, the more we can invest in that community into having stuff at our building every single day, into allowing our facilities to be available for ministry to those people, allowing our staff to host classes and uh, allowing other nonprofits and good organizations, Christ-centered organizations, to use our space to reach out to the community. So that's what this is about. And to get there with as little debt as possible, it's only going to come through extravagant generosity. So my goal this morning is simply to inspire us as a church family to continue doing what you're already doing. So I want to get back to the story about this woman because I think there's a few lessons about this woman that you can take with you, uh, whether you want to be involved in this uh, special offering we're going to have in a couple of weeks or not because you can be extravagantly generous in a lot of areas. Just make sure that it's from the right place. As I look at this story, I see a handful of uh, lessons. The first lesson I see is this. Extravagance is personal. Jesus says, she did what she could. Extravagance is personal. Let's just leave that up there. I love this phrase because it shows me that when it comes to our extravagant generosity, it's extra. Do you know what like the root word of extravagance is? It's extra. You don't have to. People use this extravagant idea to raise money for whatever they want to. Uh, you've heard of GoFundMe. You've heard of uh, Kickstarter campaigns, right? This is an amazing time to be alive, isn't it? So I looked at some, uh, I wanted to be, I was like, what are some ridiculous Kickstarter campaigns? And so I found some good ones. I wish I had time to sell them all. There's this one lady who had this uh, tattoo across her forehead, and it was sketchy, okay? And, but she wanted to get it removed. She started to GoFundMe. Guess what? We paid for it. We raised money to help this lady get a tattoo. Good for us. Good for her. People cared, and so they gave. Another girl was like, I'm so over school. I need a gap year so I can backpack through America. And she wanted to raise a whole bunch of money. Man, people rallied together on this girl and raised a whopping five bucks. The people have voted. You need to go get a job. Um, there was another one. This was my favorite. This guy, his name is Zach Brown. Uh, he set a goal to raise $10 so he could make potato salad. Over 6,000 people were behind that. He raised $55,000, God bless America. <laughs> 55, people get behind what they get behind. Extravagance is personal. You do what you want. Google it. It's in there, okay? I'm like, here's the thing. Extravagance is personal, but not everybody's going to agree with what you agree with and be in but with your in. Jesus' story said that some were indignant. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste? It could have been sold. We could have fed the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. People don't always get what we're into. People question your judgment. You know, there are about 30 of you who every single week, whether you're every Sunday or every other week or once a month, you're on a schedule or you show up just when you have time on your schedule. You show up at 7.30 in the morning and you help turn this gymnasium and that youth wing into a place to have church. You know what some people think? That is ridiculous. Isn't it enough that you go to church and listen to that guy talk? Isn't that enough? That is ridiculous. But I'm telling you, that is extravagant. People will be indignant about our decisions to do things, but we only do them out of the overflow of our heart if we mean it. Some people would look at what we would invest financially into something like above and beyond and say, are you serious? You're throwing away your retirement. 
You're giving away your kid's inheritance. You could have got a new car. I've seen your car. But in this story of people who are indignant, Jesus says, you be quiet. This lady has done what she could. So when that happens, I think we just keep on moving. I want to say this thing because this is very important. Uh, The sacredness of marriage is something that I I hold as high as just as anything else. Um, And so as we're talking about this, uh, this initiative, specifically the financial portion of it, you might be having a conversation with your spouse who's a little indignant. I want to tell you, for you, at least from my heart, the rules are a little bit different than the rest. Uh, If you're having a conversation with your spouse about this and you aren't lining up on what you want to do for this thing, um, I want you to both pray about it. I want you to both decide on a number. And I want to encourage you to go with the lower number if you can't agree, even if that number's zero. Because we will not build our church on a trail of broken marriages. (laughs) It's not worth it. Okay? God is behind this. He's got us, right? Okay, so I want to make that clear. Um, Probably the biggest uh, person you're going to have to argue with is yourself. I don't know. I really like my cable TV. (laughs) Do I really want to cancel that right now? I don't know. As my family worked through the decision that we've made for this initiative, that was the conversations that we had, and we worked through them. Um, Extravagance is personal. Second thing I learned from this story, the rest of them are much shorter. Extravagance is joyful. If it's not joyful, it's not extravagance. It's compulsion. It's guilt. It's something else, okay? If extravagance is joyful. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in in the original Greek can be translated laughter. In fact, our finance team that does our our own budget for our own church, you probably heard me say this before, we we like the idea of calling it hilarious. We say we want to be hilariously generous. That's, extravagance should be joyful. And so what brings you joy? This woman was willing to do this. She didn't care how much the perfume was worth. She didn't care what the people were going to say to her. It's joyful and it's scalable. The thing that we have been saying for this whole initiative is that it's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And so on the one hand, you've got someone like Zacchaeus. Jesus meets this guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector and he's very wealthy. And when he comes to faith in Jesus, he realizes, I've been a dog. (laughs) I have been wrong. And so as a tax collector, he is like taking advantage of his position and he's actually taking a little bit of money off the top for himself and he's charged people too much and that was wrong. And so when he came to faith in Jesus, he was like, I need to pay those people back. What Zacchaeus says is, in the story about Zacchaeus, is I'm going to pay them back with interest. I'm going to tell you something. You got to be wealthy to do that, (laughs) to pay someone back with interest and they didn't even know that you were borrowing money from them. So it's scalable. That's Zacchaeus. Jesus, on the other hand, runs into a lady in the temple, and there's a lot of people giving offerings at the temple, and this one lady, she puts in two little copper coins. And he sees it, and he goes, you know what, this lady's given more than anybody else. She's a widow. She doesn't have an income. She's not getting Social Security. She's putting in her two cents because that's all she's got. It's scalable. But extravagance is joyful. As I talk to the people in our church who have been, they've come to me because they're joyful uh, and told me the things that they want to do to help make this project happen. I've heard people say, yeah, we, we, we switched cell phone plans. Yeah, man, we had the good one, but then we went with the not so good one. We're going to do that because it's going to save us like $1,000 a year. Wow. Do your math. There's a lot of good cell phone, right, Brian, that you could get for much cheaper and, and do things. It's just 25 months, right? I know of someone who was planning on buying some furniture. They said, you know what? I'll put this furniture off for now. 
because I'd rather see God's house be built over here, not the temple. We're the temple of the living God. You get my analogy. People giving up cable TV and others talking about selling a vehicle that they don't use. I mean, these are, and, and the reason I know is not because I'm like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? You might have been to a church like that. We're not that church. But instead, they're joyful. They're like, ah, I just found another hundred bucks. Striving should be joyful. The, the, the next lesson I see in this story, so it's personal, it's joyful. The next lesson, extravagance is, extravagance is a rare opportunity. There are a few times in your life when you can go above and beyond. Um, not everyone is a, you know, an oil baron from Russia. Um, so we have to pick and choose what we're extravagant with. Jesus says to this crowd, what she has done is beautiful. You will not always have me with you. What would you give to have dinner with Jesus? Wouldn't that be cool? This lady was there. And she's like, I'm not blowing this opportunity. He says, the poor you will always have with you. He's not saying don't feed the poor. In fact, these guys are really good about that. It becomes the hallmark of the church that we care for people in need. But what this lady saw was a rare opportunity. Never again would she get a chance to worship the living God in the flesh with her most valuable possession. And very rarely do we get the opportunity to just blow it out of the water. As a church, guys, we've been here for nine years. I hope we're here for 90 and plus years. I hope after we're all dead and gone, our great-grandchildren are fighting over what color the carpet is. <laughs> because I hope we're planting something that will last. Actually, I hope that we do better and they don't fight over what color the carpet is, but you know what I mean. I hope that we're still here. But there are very few high water marks in a church's life. I mean, there's lots of good moments, weddings and baptisms and kids being born and like a really good Easter Sunday and like those are good, but there are these rare opportunities that are like, boom. Can you guys think in the last nine years of an opportunity we've had like this? It's at the top of the list. If there's any time to go all in, it's today. It's this season, right? It's a rare opportunity. I love that we see that in this story. And finally, this is the fourth one. If you're, if you're writing these down, extravagance is, is, is personal. Extravagance is, <laughs> where are you writing them down? I don't have them. Extravagance is a rare opportunity. Extravagance is a third one. The fourth one, <laughs> extravagance comes as a response to something meaningful. I told you this woman's a mysterious scripture person, character in scripture. We don't know a lot about her. We're not positive of her name. We think her name might be Mary, but we're not 100% sure. And there's a lot of puzzle pieces you can put together. But I'll tell you this. This is a woman that we can understand had a past and had a reputation. And she met Jesus and she got a chance at a brand new life. And her response of worship to Jesus was because, you changed my life. The things that you're willing to be extravagant about probably come because they're meaningful to you. Many of you may not care about baseball. It's the World Series right now, by the way, but you might not care, but some of you might really be into it because your granddad threw the ball with you when you were eight years old, and you've always loved baseball. And there was a special, meaningful moment, and so now you're willing to watch 700 games a year <laughs> as a baseball fan. That's extravagant, but it's because it was meaningful. You went on a, on a honeymoon or an anniversary trip with your spouse to Jamaica, and you found this amazing coffee, and your friends don't even like it, but you ship it in from Jamaica every single time because it was meaningful to you, so you're willing to go all out for it. We do things for our kids because it's meaningful. We do things for the people we love because it's meaningful, and this woman goes all out because it's meaningful. And 
if Christ has made an impact in your life, you'll be extravagantly generous. Understand what I'm saying. This can be anywhere in the kingdom of God. We have an opportunity here, but I don't care if you give to this campaign. <laughs> what I want you to do is put your heart in the right place and be extravagant in the rare opportunities if it comes from somewhere meaningful. I'm going to do something I have never done in this, in this church before, but it's going to be a big moment, and I'm glad that all of you are here today. Uh, if you're a volunteer who has some of those cards today, um, you've seen these cards. Just pass those around. Everyone needs to hold one. You don't have to, but if, if you'll take, there should be enough for everyone to have one. Um, just look at it. It'll help walk you through this uh, next little section that I'm going to talk about. Um, but over the next few, last few um, weeks, month and a half or so, you've gotten some stuff in the mail. You've already seen one of these cards. If you went to a vision night, you've seen one of these cards. These cards are commitment cards, and I want you to know two things. Number one, if, you, if you're a guest here, or you haven't like invested with venture with your time, and you're just like, I don't know, I'm still looking for a church family. You can look at this, but you don't have to do anything with this. This is just for you to look at to follow along. Secondly, I don't want anybody to turn in this card today. Please do not turn this card in today. This is not the day for that. The reason we're doing 12 days of prayer is because we want to get our heart in a certain place. Okay, and so this is not a decision to be made on, under compulsion. Uh, you've, if you've already seen the card, you kind of know where it is. Um, but what we're doing right now is we are going to have a moment of extravagance as a church family uh, in, on two days. On November 6th, next Sunday, will be an opportunity for you to turn in a commitment card. I'm just calling that a commitment Sunday. And that's the card you're looking at. I'm going to explain it in just a second. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks for those cards to come in because you might have been out of town or you might have missed it or whatever. You might have needed longer to think about it. And then on November 20th, we're going to have uh, the first fruits of that offering. We're going to call that Celebration Sunday. So whatever amount you feel like in your heart, God wants you to be extravagant about, uh, you can bring a percentage of that, a piece of it. Maybe it's the savings you already have on the side or whatever. You can bring that on the 20th, and we'll, we'll be able to put a big piece down on that. And it'll go directly to the principal of our building. We'll get, to, we'll get the work done on the building. We're still building it. So instead of using our loan, we'll use cash, which is the same, <laughs> or we'll start paying down principal. And so those are big dates. These are opportunities, rare opportunities to be extravagant. On this card, you're going to see that there are three opportunities to be extravagant. Um, and the first way is by, by giving courageously. A courageous gift. What is a courageous gift? Well, on November 20th, we'll have an opportunity to actually bring real, actual money. Uh, we'll do it digitally, too. Uh, Jointheventure.com slash give. In our drop-down, there'll be a, a line called Above and Beyond. But that's courageous. Look at the things that you have on hand and say, what am I willing to trust God with? I'm just going to put it there because of my heart for the kingdom of God and what, what Venture Church is doing. Um, on that day, after we've prayed out about it, that first fruit offerings will be courageous. And so you would, for example, write that down in the first blank there. My courageous gift, this is what I hope to do. The next one is my consistent gift. I talked about intentional giving earlier, and I want to make sure this is clear. We don't want to slow down the ministry we're doing at all. Uh, we support the ministries we support around the country, and they rely on us. <laughs> so we don't want to stop that. We have our staff that we, they rely on us. We have our programming and stuff that we already do. They, they rely on us. And so what I'm asking is when it comes to a consistent gift, you're talking about something above and beyond what you're already giving. And don't feel like you have to do anything. But maybe you could look at this and say, I could bump it up a percent, or I could actually start doing a percent. Right now I'm kind of doing the random giving thing. Maybe I can make a percentage thing for 25 months just to see what God does with that. The third option, uh, actually I want to encourage you to try to do all three, is your, your creative gift. A creative gift is saying, what do I have that I could turn into money for God? You know, I've got a skill I could put to work, I could work a side shift, I could uh, sell a thing, I could move stocks around, I could just whatever. 
Sit down with your family, pray about it. My, my family, we did this. We did this for several different nights. We talked about it. I was inspired by my kids. My, my kids actually, uh, Perry has been talking to the kids about, the teenagers about this. And, and uh, actually, this is pretty cool. They got their cards early because next Sunday when we're all doing the cards, they're going to be, a lot of them are going to be at camp. There's a, there's a fall camp that they're going to go to. And they're like, well, we want to do it too. And so Perry said, well, can we turn our cards in early? So they, some of them have already turned their cards in now. So I'm sitting with my kids. They're talking about, and they have jobs. They're making income. And it was really inspiring to be like, yeah, I want to do this for our church. I was like, oh, wow, you're behind this. And you total all those together. And the goal is over 25 months. Okay, we're not talking about this comes in before December, 25 months. In the book of 2 Chronicles 29, verse 9, uh, King David is there and the people are building a temple. And it's the main temple. It's where they're going to worship. And there's this really cool moment where they're collecting resources so that together they can build the temple. And uh, I was made aware of this verse actually just this past Friday when someone read it, and I wasn't that aware of it, uh, where the leaders of the nation of Israel do this. Look at 2 Chronicles 29, verse 9. It says, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. So this precedent that was set by the leaders is that leaders go first. I'm asking a lot of our church family. You saw some numbers, $200,000, $350,000. I want to let you know something. We are well on our way. Leaders go first. So this past Friday, after about a month of talking and praying about it, all of our leaders got together for dinner. It was really a really beautiful evening when the guys does it. About 23 of us gathered. So we're talking elders and staff and our finance team. And there's a few other key people and their spouses. So when you add the spouses, there's 23 people in there. And... Uh, and we had already been working through this commitment card ourselves for several weeks now, asking the hard questions, looking at our own numbers. I know for my family, uh, I, I battle between uh, you shouldn't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. It should be private. That's a, kind of a Jesus thing. But also the David thing is like the people rejoice because the leaders were generous. And so I'll, I'll leave it at this. My family battled hard. And we're like, we want to do as much as we can because we believe in this thing. And so we came with a number. And we sat down, my wife and I, and we were like, that's a good number, but I think it could be better. And so we started to move things around, and we did, did little things. Like, what if we canceled cable for a period of time? And what if we did this? And what if we did that? Use the percentage of our, of our tax return. And we added it up. We, we got our card. And we came, and we showed up in this room with all the other leaders. And after a time of prayer, we probably spent, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes just sitting in silence, praying together with our spouse or the individuals that were there. And then they turned in their cards. As a jump start. To this campaign, can I tell you what your leaders have already committed? They they came, they knew the mission, they knew the goal, a celebration goal of two hundred thousand dollars, a dream goal of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And if this doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. The total commitment over twenty five months, just from those twenty three people, here it goes, was two hundred and twenty eight thousand three hundred and seventy five dollars. Praise God. <laughs> what? I didn't know what my, prayer, my thought was. You guys know that we're there because when, when we were about to put our cards in, we all did it. And I said, guys, no matter what's in this box, glory be to God. And I got home and I resisted the urge to text, check my text messages every five minutes. There was one individual counting it. And just so you know, whatever you commit will be uh, completely anonymous. One person has to see it, but um, it's our bookkeeper and, and she has a extremely high integrity and has a good system. So she won't even really have it all. But she'll, anyway... And I'm waiting for a text, and I'm waiting for a text, and I thought, oh, I bet she emailed it. 
So it was like 10.30, I checked my email, and I was like, what? <laughs> Praise God. We have already hit our celebration goal. We can have celebration Sunday right now, but let's not stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's not stop. And look, this is, we're not the church that talks about money. If you don't know that, you haven't been here very long. <laughs> but this is extravagance. Imagine a day when this building is completely paid off and we can put 100% of our resources in simply loving people or helping to plant a brand new church another 15 minutes up the road. We don't want to be the church that is 5,000 people. We want to be a church that continues to establish bodies of believers all over the city and surrounding areas and around the world. I want to thank our leaders for your faith. I don't know what number I expected. I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> all I knew was the card I put in there. And I want to encourage you guys next week to join us, knowing that the heavy lifting has already been done. And everything else is just bonus Glory be to God. And it ain't potato salad. <laughs> Here's our challenge for this week. I can give us a challenge every single week. Here it is. I want to encourage you to consider extravagant generosity by taking home a commitment card, praying about it. Do not turn in a card you didn't pray over. Please don't. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to us. That God loves a cheerful giver who gives from the heart, who's decided in their heart in advance what they're going to do, okay? Take time to pray about it. Pray about how you participate, and then bring the card back next Sunday, November 6th. We will not tally them and announce them that day uh, because we love a little bit of suspense, but really want to give a couple weeks for people. You, you may actually need another week. You may be like, I don't know. I, I've really got to think about this more. And I want to tell you, if you feel guilty, if you feel pressed, don't give. If you feel like somebody's twisting your arm, don't do it. This is extravagant generosity. And there's no harm, no foul if you don't participate. But my hope is that our heart as a church is combined to the point where we can all do, like this lady did, what we can. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Let's pray.